You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Happy holidays, fans. I'm your co-host, Jason. This is your co-host, Danny. And we have a packed show for you today. We're going to actually give you our week 15 NFL reactions. Then we're going a little bit into the college football playoffs. Talk a little bit about Tiger Woods and Charlie Woods. Dion, or excuse me, Coach Prime. And a little bit about the NBA being that we're in the midst of the NBA season opener. So NFL week 15, our recap. So, Danny, let me just say the Packers went ahead and won 24-16 against the Carolina Panthers. Aaron Rodgers with a pedestrian 143 yards passing with this one touchdown. Uh, walked in another uh, touchdown. Aaron Jones with 145 yards on the ground. Packers look pretty good first half, second half. I don't know what the hell happened. The Packers are in the driver's seat for the number one overall seed in the NFC conference. And we'll see what happens in these last two remaining games. Uh, the game that I'm most interested in, quite honestly, would be against the Tennessee Titans. I believe Derrick Henry is going to have about 185 yards and two touchdowns against us on a Sunday night game. Honestly, our run defense is going to be heavily exposed. Uh, the Carolina Panthers still continue to struggle. The Buffalo Bills clinched the division. First time since, I believe, 1995. That's a long time. <laughs> and ironically enough, that's when we graduated <laughs> high school. So happy to see somebody else in the AFC East to actually win the title there, the divisional title. Uh, the Jets in their first win of the season. But they potentially may lose the number one overall pick. At the same token, who wants to go 0-16? Got to give them props for winning their first game. Players in the locker rooms, they kept pressing, kept pushing, kept competing, and they ended up winning the game uh, against the Los Angeles Rams at Los Angeles in that beautiful stadium. How can you lose in that beautiful stadium against the Jets? There were talks that the Rams were really Super Bowl contenders, but losing to the Jets, I don't know if that was just a fluke game. I, I don't know. Congratulations to the New York Jets. And my last thought here, the Steelers getting demolished in Monday Night Football. They're now 11-3, and I just think the Steelers are in trouble. I don't know if they have enough time to really pull it together. Rooting for Tomlin, great coach, fraternity brother. I'll, I'll say this. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, mm -hmm. It really is. So we'll see what happens. What about you, Danny? This week brought my Atlanta Falcons another heartbreaking loss this week to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 31-27, where we led 17-0 at halftime and had full control of the game. And then Atlanta reverted back to the way they looked under Dan Quinn. A different team showed up in the second half. Matt Ryan had a great game. Until the fourth quarter, he ended up with 356 yards and three touchdowns. Ridley got off 
10 receptions, 160 plus yards and touchdown. So from my standpoint, it's, it's one of those bittersweet things where it's like, all right, dang, we lost, but we're keeping our draft position. The Chargers won again. So they're up now two games ahead of us. And like you mentioned, Cincinnati won last night. And Cincinnati is right there. We're a game ahead of Cincinnati. I'm pulling for my boys. And I thought we had it because I was like, all right, we're past the Quinn era where we just blow games like that. But Tom Brady went off and just made us look bad. On to next week against the Kansas City Chiefs. And last item I wanted to call out was the Kyler Murray versus Jalen Hurts. Philadelphia Eagles-Arizona Cardinals game. For those of you who did not see the game, Arizona was tearing those boys apart at first. And then all of a sudden, Jalen Hurts got his confidence. He was a little shaky at first. Brought them all the way back, and they had a chance at the end to tie it. Uh, There are a couple passes in the end zone that were – one should have been a catch and uh, ended up being dropped. And then the other one was – the other two were contested. Jalen Hurts, and he got pressured a lot in that game at the end. Uh, He got sacked a few times, but showing the poise for his second game starting, going against Kyler Murray, who also had an awesome game, had 406 yards passing. So it was a very up-and-down game in that second half, and it was great to see those two compete. And now to the college football playoffs, where the number one overall seed is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Number two is that being Clemson. Number three being Ohio State. And number four being Notre Dame. Now, Alabama against Notre Dame, I would just say that that's going to be a blowout, man. That's going to be, uh, I'm predicting the score here, 52 to 17. And let me just say this about Notre Dame, who got blasted against Clemson in the ACC Conference Championship game. I don't know, man. I don't know what the the panel, the board or whatever, I don't know what they're really looking at and what they're thinking here. First of all, Notre Dame, yes, they played a lot of games. They did beat Clemson earlier on in the season, but that was without Trevor Lawrence. Uh, It went into double overtime. And for Notre Dame to be in this playoff situation, to me, screams foul. To have two ACC schools, yes, Notre Dame uh, went from independent to the ACC for this season only, but to have two ACC schools in the playoffs, to me, it screams foul. And Notre Dame got blasted. So I think there are many other teams that could really honestly be in the mix here for the college football playoffs. Hell, I'll even take Texas A&M, an SEC school, where they played a, a good number of games. And, yes, they lost against Alabama earlier in the season. They got blasted against Alabama earlier in the season. But you know what? I would rather watch that game than Alabama against Notre Dame. We've seen this movie before. We've seen this storybook before in where Alabama blasted Notre Dame in the college football playoffs most recently. So I don't know how much different there would be here. I'm predicting 52-17. And let me go on to Ohio State real quickly, Danny. Ohio State only played five games before going into the Big Ten championship game and where the Big Ten conference said, you know what, we you actually have to have a minimum of six games to get into the conference championship. Mm-hmm. Ohio State couldn't play against Michigan because of COVID protocols for uh, Michigan. And that 
only allowed for five games to uh, Ohio State. All I'm saying is, man, they should not have even had been able to play. But we all know this. It's all about money when it comes to college football champion, championship and especially the NCAA. It's all about money. I would have actually really preferred to have seen Northwestern against IU. IU's having an awesome season. And yes, IU did lose to Ohio State earlier in the season. But you know what? The rules were six games minimum to get into the championship, the conference championship game. So here we are, Big Ten, moving the goalposts yet again to get Ohio State. Now, I'll just say this real quickly, Danny. Yep. Ohio State, a whole lot of money. The prestige, the campus, the stadium, which is the stadium is better than a lot of NFL stadiums out there right now. Mm-hmm. And this type of whole lot of money flowing through the money that Ohio State can really bring into the Big Ten, especially in the COVID situation. I earnest, I, I totally get that. I understand it. But when you make a rule at the beginning of the season and you don't abide by it and you move the goalpost, we've seen that so many times before, not necessarily in, in sports or college like this, yep. but in just regular everyday life. And to me, this screams foul. And I don't know, man, I, I honestly believe this is going to be, uh, I believe, almost a runaway type of uh, college playoff football uh, for the NCAA and for college football. So we'll see what happens. I just don't totally agree with the four teams that's in there. Hey, it is what it is. How about you, Danny? This was the year, like other organizations have been doing, to try new things. Since it was a special circumstance with covid Teams play different amount of games. Hell, like Coastal Carolina was trying just to get somebody scheduled. They're willing to play anybody. BYU was trying to play anybody just to get those games to boost their rating uh, in the ranking. And I thought this was the year they could have tried to expand the playoff to eight. This doesn't pass the smell test. Where you look at someone like Cincinnati who went undefeated over in Ohio State who looked pedestrian in that Northwestern Big Ten championship game. Granted, they're under undermanned. I understand that a lot of their uh, players were suffering from COVID. But why not make it eight, where you then include Texas A&M, Florida, Oklahoma, and Cincinnati, yep. at mm-hmm. least? Because I look at that. I look at how Florida played Alabama. Mm-hmm. Florida could beat Notre Dame. Florida Definitely. could beat Ohio State. Definitely. Florida could give Clemson a game. Uh, definitely i agree there in texas a&m i think falls under that same boat and mm-hmm. oklahoma's so up and down it's hard to tell with them but mm-hmm. and then cincinnati gets the opportunity to showcase for a smaller school perspective they're not a power five so that's mm-hmm. where i feel they dropped the ball this time around uh they had an opportunity to try something new imagine the interest in that you have eight different schools involved instead of four the same four where the criteria, like you said, the goalposts moved, the criteria moved in this case to include the big four that they wanted from a money standpoint on New Year's Day. I think they blew an opportunity here where they could have had eight teams. No, I agree. I agree there. And now on to Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, and recruiting for Jackson State University. I'll just say this. uh, It was signing day for the fall here, and it looks like Jackson State – 
has the best recruiting class uh, within the FCS. We've seen Coach Prime and Jackson State and the rest of the coaches on social media. Uh, their social media game, I will give them props where, where props is due, is, is pretty good. I just think that this screams, I don't know, it's, it screams a change is here. It's not coming, it's here. Mm-hmm. When you look at a lot of uh, athletes now looking at HBCUs to go to, to participate, to uh, help the university and the programs thrive, but then also to have that experience on an HBCU campus and also to be your own person on a college campus and be in the midst of other uh, great minds uh, and being that culture. Uh, I think the change is here is when it comes to uh, student athletes. And so what you're, what we're seeing is a combination of NBA hall of fame, or excuse me, NFL hall of famer, uh, coach prime, bringing in his marketing techniques uh, to Jackson yeah. state and it's working. It's working. He's flipped a lot of uh, power five uh, student athletes to Jackson State uh, again to be ranked number one in FCS. But I will tell you what you have to look out for and what's not being discussed. The Florida A&M University last fall in 2019 cracked in, in the top 20 for recruiting in FCS. What's not being talked about is the same Florida A&M University cracked into the top 10 in signings or for recruiting earlier this year in the spring. So we have, yes, we, I am a proud alum of Florida A&M University. So what's not being talked about is the fact that, yes, the season was lost because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But we we have some student athletes here primed and ready to go who hasn't hit the field yet in official gameplay. But we have had practices, spring football. We are ready to uh, get on that field. And oh, by the way, that very first game, Labor Day weekend down in Miami for the Orange Blossom Classic is against Jackson State University. Mm hmm. Coach Prime returning to his home state of Florida. And, oh, boy, that's going to be a game for you. So just as, again, Jackson State is getting all this hype, all this media hype, all that, that's fine. That is fine. But know this, the Florida A&M University Rattlers have recruited very well as well. So uh, let's see what happens come Labor Day weekend and when the two Titans actually – uh, get on the field and and duke it out. So um, I'm excited to really see what happens here. And Jason, like you were talking about with the power schools, so he had eight transfers come in from the power power five. He had a number of three-star recruits in addition to his son as the quarterback and then one other individual as well. So they're they're doing well. Him being a new coach, it depends on how he's staffed and ready to roll to incorporate all that talent all in one, right? Because there's a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz around Jackson State. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious how, the, how they pull all this talent together in this first year to make it a successful year. Exactly. Because a lot of these students, too, aren't – they're going to be freshmen, sophomore. They're not seniors. 
right? Mm -hmm. So it's going to take mm -hmm. time to acclimate to the student athlete life. It's going to take, I think, two years mm -hmm. where you see Jackson State achieve what they want to achieve just to incorporate all the talent. Yeah, and it's going to be a welcome to college football type moment, I think, Labor Day weekend for Coach Prime. <laughs> And now on to Tiger and Charlie Woods, and where they actually paired up in the PNC championship game, where it's like a father and son uh, type pairing, and uh, they go at it in an actual tournament. And watching young 11-year-old Charlie Woods, uh, his golf swing, his approaches, he is very good at 11 years old. I'm just really curious to see, honestly, the TV ratings for this particular golf tournament, because in looking at social media, there were a lot of people who were actually watching young Charlie Woods. Mm -hmm. uh, could have even been uh, parents on, on social media, but indicating that their child was watching Charlie Woods. So here we have a whole another generation coming into possibly an entire sport, including minorities. This is really going to be interesting how it kind of shakes out. I really hope that, and I believe he will, Tiger will really protect young Charlie Woods uh, from all of the hoopla. But I think Charlie Woods can become a pro soon. And this begs the question whether or not he even has to go to college and get into the NCAA. A young Charlie Woods, when he gets of age, can he go right into the pros? whether it's with the PGA um, or if it's with a different golf league. Uh, my understanding is that Tiger Woods has been approached to owner of a premier golf league team earlier in the year. Tiger was actually looking at that and what that would entail would be uh, several tournaments, 48 people or 48 players in this uh, 18 event schedule from the likes of January to September. And each week, there's a $10 million purse with a season-ending team championship. So as we're talking about young Charlie Woods here and Tiger possibly becoming an owner of a team, let's just think about this for a minute, Danny. Mm -hmm. In terms of young Charlie Woods becoming a pro, Tiger owns a team. Doesn't necessarily, Charlie Woods doesn't necessarily have to become a PGA Tour pro player. He can become a player within yep. that team mm -hmm. or a part of this premier golf league yep. and be as prestigious in this league as he would have been in the PGA. This is going to be very interesting. And we talked about the dynamics of how golf is a global sport. And so as your young Charlie Woods is now starting to become uh, more involved in tournaments and everything, traveling, He's getting exposed to the business side of it. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be really interesting to see how this really materializes and all. Man, it was so awesome watching Charlie Woods. Uh, they did come in seventh place uh, at this tournament. And as a result, their earnings was $47,000. But let's just think about this for a minute. $47,000 for an 11-year-old? Come, on man. <laughs> come on, man. Come on, man. I mean, that is awesome, man. So, man, I just hope that, you know, 
and I'm pretty certain he will. Uh, Tiger will uh, look after young Charlie Woods. Uh, I mean, just imagine the endorsement deals that can even come at Charlie Woods right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, to get a, a potentially a new generation of players into playing golf. I mean, just the yep. endorsement deals off of that alone mm-hmm. uh, could be magnificent. And I'm pretty certain, uh, obviously, Tiger has gone through this. He knows the pitfalls. He knows it all. So, yeah. uh, again, this is just going to be interesting in how it all materializes. And now to a little bit about the NBA, being that we're in the midst of opening day, the Golden State Warriors are actually playing the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And later on tonight, the Los Angeles team's going at it with the Lakers getting their rings. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be interesting, man. I, I'm very excited about the NBA uh, opening up the season. Uh, short off season mm-hmm. for those who were in the bubble, but for those teams that were that did not participate in the bubble, it's been a long off season. Uh, they, some of yes. them haven't played really since March. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting for the season that is now just a 72-game season. A lot of moves to have happened. Besides that, man, there's just been a lot happening, man. We're in the midst of not only opening day, but also the Christmas schedule, <laughs> uh, which I cannot wait for, man. Yes. Um, this is going to be this outstanding uh, Christmas Day lineup. Starting off, you're going to have the New Orleans Pelicans against the uh, Miami Heat. And it's going to be, oh man, it's going to be interesting to see how that really plays out. I'm, I'm anxious to see, I'm just anxious to see the NBA period, but man, just see the Miami Heat. How are they going to, you know, come off of a finals appearance? Mm-hmm. Zion Williamson for New Orleans, is he going to remain healthy? He has yeah. no restrictions. I listened to an interview uh, of him and he indicated he has no restrictions, which is about time. He says he's fully healthy. So what about you, Danny? Obviously very excited for opening night. Like you mentioned, the L.A. teams and the ring ceremony and the Lakers showing that 17th banner. Uh, So congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers for that. And then the Christmas slate, usually there's two or three duds on Christmas. Mm -hmm. But the matchups this this year are actually really good. Very good. Very good. Please check them out because you got Mavs, Lakers as the nightcap. Man, that's gonna be Clippers good. Nuggets. That's gonna be good too. <laughs> Warriors Bucks. Oh, that's gonna be awesome. And then also Nets and Celtics. That's gonna be good too. So usually you like I say, usually you got a couple of duds in there where you're like, all right, man, I either go take a nap or go eat, or mm-hmm. but you have to check this action out throughout the day. So very excited for that. Just see how things go off uh this tonight and see KD in that Brooklyn Nets uniform playing against the Warriors is what I'm looking forward to besides the Laker game of course. Uh, let me just add here Danny. So the Warriors on the road for the first two games of the of their season and I'm really looking forward to the Warriors against the Bucks. I think what I've seen in the preseason by the Milwaukee Bucks has been a semblance of the Golden State offense and where there's a lot of Weak side screens, uh, a lot more movement, uh, mm-hmm. which is very similar to what the uh, Golden State Warriors has done. This season, I am interested, though, in the Eastern Conference because now we have the likes of KD with Brooklyn Nets playing 
every time the Brooklyn Nets play, I, I'm going to watch because mm-hmm. I just like Katie's game. I mean, he's a sniper. When you think about him go- going from the West Western Conference to the Eastern Conference, you can see now a super playing like at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. They don't have to wait for a 10, 1030 type game and then have to go go to bed and wake up in the morning to find out what happens or what have you. You can see a full game yes. of a superstar. So I think that really speaks volumes. It's interesting that the opening games tonight are at 7 p.m. and 8 and 10 p.m. Uh, I think the NBA have, has made it a conscious effort to really start the games a little bit earlier so that way people can actually watch uh, a good portion of the Western Conference games if they're living on the Eastern Conference time zone. So it's going to be really interesting, man. I'm I'm really anxious. The Eastern Conference got a lot better. I think, too, less games, less wear and tear. So that should be a positive for the players. I know some of the players, like the Lakers and Miami, obviously played deep into the bubble, and they only had like a month and a half, two months to get ready. Mm-hmm. But with the shortened season, less players taking games off. You got a race to get to the playoffs. So I think it's something, too, where the NBA could see, because I know they've toyed with shortening the season, but the owners are saying no because they don't want to lose that money, that revenue. But if it's something that works and, it, and the players are healthier going into the playoffs, it may be something they have to really consider. I'm going to tell you what else they've toyed with. And this is actually something that Commissioner Adam Silver has recently stated, and this is about NBA expansion. Mm-hmm. And one of his quotes here uh, in an interview uh, is, the follow- is the following. One of our focuses as the league office is always on how do you create better competition? So that's one of the things that we continue to think about as we consider expansion. It's an economic issue and it's a competitive issue for us. So it's one that we'll continue to study but we're spending a little bit more time on it than we were pre-pandemic. When you think about expansion, mm-hmm. because I believe it's, it's, it's likely to happen, I'm going to tell mm-hmm. you two reasons why. The first is time. It's time to expand. Mm-hmm. The second reason, the NBA and the NBA teams need that money. My understanding in terms of expanding or having uh, a team come into the NBA is that there's a billion dollar, one billion with a B, one billion dollar price tag to the NBA for an expansion team to come into the NBA. That money is then split to the other NBA teams. So when that happens, teams obviously increase increase the money, increase revenue, which at this particular moment in the pandemic, the NBA needs, the NBA teams, they need that money. So I believe an expansion is going to happen, I believe, sooner than what we think. I believe it's going to happen probably within the next couple of years to really help with the loss of revenue from having fans in the stands, from ticket sales, concession sales, et cetera. I believe this expansion thing is going to, is going to happen. Let me ask you this, Danny. Let's say expansion is pr- approved, right? Yes. What NBA cities do you think it would expand too. Now, keep in mind, when expansion happens, it has to be really evened out, one on the Eastern Conference and one in the Western Conference. Okay. So what what cities do you feel a team would 
in the NBA would expand to? So the first two that came to mind were Seattle. Yes, you got to be Seattle, man. Seattle's been pining for a team ever since they lost their team. The one, let me just say this before I get to my Eastern mm-hmm. time zone or, or Midwest team. I think NBA will want to go to Vegas. Yep. <laughs> yep. Because the Raiders are there now. Mm-hmm. And with sports betting and letting the NFL kind of proof of concept, how that plays out with professional players in that environment. Granted, it's the pandemic, but you have something there now. So the NBA mm-hmm. could play off of that. When I look at the other side of the country, I'm thinking like a St. Louis mm. who had the Hawks way back in the day. How about you, Jay? I agree with you on the West Coast. First team that comes to mind would be the Seattle Supersonics. Mm-hmm. And I specifically say the Seattle Supersonics because they need to keep that nickname. They need to keep that name, period. It was interesting uh, on NBA TV watching the Rain Man in the Glove, that conversation, <laughs> right? Yeah. Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. It was really interesting, you know, seeing them together, mm-hmm. them hearing them talk about the Seattle community and the Supersonics. And I just remember every time watching a game for the Seattle Supersonics, man, the crowd was just hype, man. Just the atmosphere was just like mm-hmm. no other. So I really want Seattle to get a team. And then, they all, oh, oh, by the way, they have the Seattle Storm yes. uh, WNBA team there. So I think that would be a great uh, opportunity there for the Seattle and plus, I think it'd be easy for them to get a billion dollars and get a uh, governor of a franchise to give a, a billion dollars to NBA. I think that'd be easy. I agree with you with Las Vegas as well, so I won't restate. I agree with you, Las Vegas. So that's going to be a competition. Competition, excuse me, between the two cities. Yeah. The Eastern Conference is very difficult. I agree with you with St. Louis. I think that would be a, a great welcoming back. Uh, of the NBA to the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, so I, I agree with you there. I can't think of any other city in the, you know, in the Eastern conference. Would you think then somewhere like Nashville, is that too close to Memphis and Nashville's highly populated? They have the Titans. I can see that happening It's a booming city. Yeah. Yep. I can see that happening in Nashville, but I, I think I will go to St. Louis first before Nashville. Yep. I mean, really, when you think about it, the NBA can almost dub this a welcome back expansion, one to Seattle and one to St. Louis. Yep. They could dub it welcome back NBA. Mm -hmm. And, man, they can do a whole promotion around that. I really think the NBA should look at us for consultation purposes. (laughs) I think, you know, the whole welcome back to the NBA promotion marketing pitch to St. Louis and to Seattle would be huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it could be huge for the communities in Seattle, especially in communities in St. Louis. So just as we're talking about the NBA sp- expansion and really the whole welcome back to the NBA theme, the promotion, the marketing pitch, you also have to think about what's, stadiums or excuse me what arenas are actually currently existing because in the midst of this pandemic we don't know how each city is financially yep 
obviously there'll be some feasibility studies uh, done for those respective cities and all. But when you think about Seattle, mm-hmm. there's already a stadium available, or shall I say they've talked about in the Seattle area, building a stadium, building the arena for basketball. So um, there's money there already. So that might be easy. I can't say easy, but that might already be a plug and play type situation. Yep. But when you talk about uh, St. Louis, uh, Nashville, some of these other places in the Midwest, that might be a little bit more difficult mm-hmm. uh, to really handle because I don't believe there's an arena that already exists in those respective areas, respective cities. So that's not something else for a feasibility study would uh, really uh, bring about, if you will. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be very interesting uh, to really see, uh, especially in the Midwest, a smaller market. Um, but I think they can really look to the likes of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Small market, recently built a, an arena, uh, had help from uh, obviously the community from the city, uh, but then also uh, the governor's uh actually put in a lot of their own personal money so that would be very interesting to see but nba i'm telling you welcome back to the nba promotional marketing pitch thing uh would be ideal here we'll see what happens the nba went ahead and wrapped up their investigation of the milwaukee bucks and the bogdan bogdanovich proposed trade that fell through and as a result, uh, the Bucks were fined a second round pick uh, in the 2022 draft. Mm-hmm. I think this is so unfair. Tampering happens all the time in the NBA. It could be just, though, that it was the magnitude or how much pressed this quote unquote tampering. I just don't think, I mean, all the NBA teams do this, man. I think it's unfair. But I think it's due to the magnitude of how much press that this actually received. And so uh, for the Bucks, maybe this was a blessing in disguise. The fact that we still have Dante DiVincenzo, and that we still have uh, what they call Slanky's move. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we still have both of them may actually prove to be beneficial for us. So from what I was reading online, Adam Silver is taking a stronger hold of tampering and the Bucks just happen to be wrong place, wrong time where teams actually narking on the Bucks or pushing Silver to do something to the Bucks. But it's not, if you remember back in the day, original name, original game, Joe Smith, when the Timberwolves got handed down that strong fine, it was five picks, I believe, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some cash mm-hmm. for Joe Smith. Where David Stern wanted to make an example out of a team, this Bucks thing I think was way overblown by like by just the whole process of it, and it wasn't like it was a superstar player either, right? So that's where the other thing that kind of threw me for a loop was like, all right, he's a he got four for seventy two from Atlanta. Okay, great. What's it's not like they're trying to get LeBron James in on some sneaky thing. So that's where I thought. This could have been handled way differently, but I think with free agency was going on and 
things are going so fast. Like I said, Silver May just wanted to make an example to say, all right, Milwaukee, you get off with a second round pick, losing second round pick. Next team, it's going to be more substantial. So it could have been just wrong place, wrong time from my standpoint. They complied. They worked with the NBA. Thank goodness it's over now. And it's a second round pick. It could have been worse. Mm-hmm. So I'm just glad that it was just a second round pick. There we have it. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backportstalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backportstalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.